everybody. Tom Salami here. Welcome back to the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. We've got a short but sweet episode for you. Later on, I'll speak with David Saxon and Michael Matson of Needham. We'll talk about the two big M&As of the week. And uh, I don't want to say anything more because it'll ruin the new Marcus Newsmakers, but uh, lots of insights on uh, on what the two deals mean and where M&A is headed. Before that, of course, we'll review Chris and Newmarkers, Newmarkers, Newsmakers. So uh, looking forward to bringing you that list. Before we begin this episode, did want to thank everyone I bumped into at uh, MD&M West in Anaheim for their time and their stories. Great to make the connection and hope to have uh, many of you on an upcoming Device Talks podcast or other Device Talks storytelling platform. So Thanks to everyone who took the time to uh, to share their stories. Finally, don't forget Device Talks Boston is happening on May 10th and 11th. We're updating the agenda daily almost, uh, but go to devicetalks.com for more information. Finally, we'll be starting up Device Talks Tuesdays. You can go to devicetalks.com to check out those upcoming episodes. We'll start on February 21st, and I'll have a little more information on that episode a little later in the podcast. Now, let's get this episode going. All right, you ready for this? Ready. Chris Newmarker. How are you, sir? Tom Salami. Tommy. Tommy. Oof. Tommy, I don't know. Yeah. Nobody calls me Tommy. That's right. Not anymore. Never mind. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I don't mind Tommy. Just don't oh, call me late for dinner. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Whatever the joke Pin, is, I'm tired. Are you a pinball wizard? <laughs> boy, oh boy. We have oh, our boy. A material going on today. So. Oh, that's... <laughs> I flew across country twice this week. What's your excuse? Oh, I just have little kids, Tom. <laughs> that's a good point. That's fair. Kept us, sometimes they keep us up. You know, I'm caffeinating this morning. I'm like, oh. Actually, I've got my strawberry smoothie right now. I'm going to move on to another another cup of coffee soon. So Super healthy. Yes. So, yeah, the great great week at uh, MDNM West. Yeah. Uh, visit with a lot of our, our friends out there. So, so how you were telling me that you got a, uh, a turkey sandwich. Um, was it from a vending <laughs> machine or? It was not a vending machine. It was a, it was a little... Uh, mm. A little hole, like little little carve out in the wall. You got where a they just had sandwich some, from a hole. They had some. They had some some coolers with salads and mm. sandwiches in them, mm. and they had automatic. Actually, I posted the video of the automatic Starbucks coffee. Uh, yeah, that was nifty. It was nifty, except you know, yeah. it, and I have this issue with with people as well. When they fill the coffee <laughs> to the very top, oh, and then they yeah. like hand it to you, and you like you can't drink it. it some, in this case, yeah, I, I was yeah. moving over. Well, not in that case with the video, but the next day I was pulling out my coffee cup and someone bumped me and it poured scalding hot coffee all over my right hand. Oh, yes. Oh. That was enjoyable. And then I went to the restroom to pour water on it and that was also hot. Mm. So, oh, I just double, it, double scald. Oh, and then I had to go out and shake hands. I was like, oh my God. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, not the best part of my wow. two weeks, but, but it was good coffee and I, I would like to have one of those in my, in my home. Though. It's very, uh, very convenient. Yeah, that'd be fun. But it was good to good to see people at MDM. Uh, great to see it was. It was. Uh, I thought it was a good crowd. Um, you know, you talk to people, and 
some say yeah. it was this or that, but uh, it's just good to good to bump into people. People enjoying our podcast, and uh, uh, good to connect people with uh, with uh, Jim Hammerand at Medical Design Outsourcing. But uh, yeah. so so good couple of days overall. But happy to be home. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. it's good to get out and, and meet with people. That that's one thing I'm just so glad about over the past year is just getting out and getting networking done. I mean, I even like uh stopped over near the end of uh like uh Medical Alley, the the Medical Alley Summit in downtown oh, Minneapolis uh yesterday. It, oh, it was good. It was good to catch up with uh, a lot of those people in person. So, so it was a good good deal. It's uh nice to nice to actually like, you know, network talk to people in person and you know just absolutely we're getting out there so and we'll of course have device talks boston happening may 10th and 11th so be another great opportunity for uh, for folks to network then and there exactly yeah and you're starting to get this show together i mean my goodness um I mean, who who are who are some of our top speakers at this point? Well, we'll have uh, Mike Mahoney at Boston Scientific. We've talked about Tom Poland at BD, Robert Cohen at Stryker. Uh, we will have Anna Dwaf from Moon Surgical. They're all up in the in the uh, on the website. But uh, yeah. we have Megan Scanlon Fantastic. from Boston Scientific. We'll have folks from Medtronic and Olympus and Philips and many many others. So yeah, it's coming together. But uh, I need to get uh, the the details up on the website, and that will happen very soon. If if people are listening to this and they're feeling FOMO, there's a good reason. Exactly, they should they should uh, have a big foe. Of the Mo. Now that doesn't make the any sense. Of the Mo. Yeah. <laughs> I know, it sounds good though. I like it. <laughs> uh, well, all right. Well, we are well, we are we, we are uh, at the time when we're going to talk about uh, what? What are we talking about, Chris? The new markers, newsmakers. That's absolutely right. It was a busy, busy week here in the uh, in in the news department. And uh, when we get to number one, actually, our our two interviews of the day will be a single interview with two people a day will be centered on uh, on item number one. So, uh, but I don't. I've probably already revealed it earlier in the podcast, but I'll 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 play coy right now and we'll uh, we'll keep it open. So, Chris Newmarker, give yeah. us give us the big number number five. Hey, well, number five on the list was uh, like Inspire Medical. You know, rose on a, a massive fourth quarter earnings per uh, per share beat. I mean, they had uh, three point two million dollars in uh, in profits in their uh, in their fourth quarter of twenty twenty two, and this was uh, the first you know time uh, that they've uh, had a profitable profitable quarter. So, I mean, they uh, you know for those who don't know what they uh, what they do, they, they're making they have an implantable sleep apnea you know treatment. It's basically kind of like a pacemaker, except the pacemaker is uh, is you know. Uh, it is like treating uh you know sleep apnea system you mm-hmm. know, symptoms at night and uh you know they've uh you know they've they've gotten a bit of a of a boost because of the massive uh Philips CPAP recall that's going on so you know that I think that's increased demand for some people with sleep apnea problems to say you know hey maybe I should just get this this little implantable device that can you know uh, solve this problem for me so uh you know the yeah just kind of an exciting company based based here in Minneapolis you know where uh, where I'm based so just uh, some really good news and uh they uh, you know, actually, their their revenue was up thirty seven to forty percent um, compared with uh, with the previous year. So uh, they're, wow. they're just just growing a lot. Definitely think we'll. Uh, I, I suspect that when we get our uh, our uh, MedTech Big One Hundred report together later this year, that we'll be uh, we'll be seeing Inspire on this list. That's amazing. Yeah, we'll talk a bit about the uh, the Big One Hundred in a little bit because I mm-hmm. think it's, some changes have been made. But uh, yeah, the some CEO... of these changes should help Inspire get on there. That's for exactly sure. uh, Tim Herbert, uh, CEO of Inspire, has been leading the company really since its start. So uh, yeah. it's amazing where they're going. We had him on the podcast uh, ooh, last year. 
uh, and uh, lots going on over yeah. there. Great neuromod technology that probably has applications outside of sleep apnea. So uh, nice to see Inspire uh, Inspire getting some uh, some serious traction. So good yeah. for them. Yeah, really cool. Nice to see a company uh, that's like uh, like uh, kind of like a still still a young company uh, that's uh, that's growing uh, so well. So and, and has a technology that's uh, that that's obviously obviously uh, helping a lot of people and you know gaining a lot of interest. So very cool. All right, so let's roll on to number four, which is uh, something we should be uh, we might be seeing uh, Sunday night, right, Chris Newmarket? <laughs> yeah, that's right. We got uh, you know Dexcom is doing a Super Bowl ad. Fantastic. Uh, they, they got Nick Jonas. Nick Jonas is going to be, uh, you know, uh, you know, talking about the launch of uh, of the of Dexcom's next generation, a G7 continuous uh, glucose uh, glucose monitor, and uh, you know, it's uh, Jonas. You know, of you know, we best know of as being you know part of the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he uh, he has type one diabetes. So, and he uses, you know, Dexcom CGM. So he says Dexcom CGM has changed my life and revolutionized the way I take care of my health. Been hearing a lot from Dexcom lately and for good reason. So, uh, be great to see, uh, see them on the Super Bowl or. In between the Super Bowl as a Super Bowl it's, commercial. It's, it's really cool to hear testimonials like that. I, I know even on this podcast, like a few weeks ago, you know, we had Paul Graham from MedTech Innovator was, uh, you know, describing some of his experiences. Where he has, you know, he has type 2 diabetes, but he's describing yep. his experiences with the, you know, Dexcom, Dexcom CGMs. Uh, but um, I, I, I think they should have gotten Paul on the Super Bowl ad. Come on. <laughs> Who needs Nick Jonas? That's Paul right. on there. Paul, Paul is a bigger star than oh. this. What? Who's this? What's his name again? Jonas. I've never heard of him. <laughs> Jonas. Why? <Wiley. laughs> but we did have uh, Kevin Sayer on the podcast. Sean Hooley introduced him and interviewed him a couple of weeks ago, yeah. uh, talking about uh, Dexcom's opportunities outside of diabetes as well. So. Uh, exciting time for Inspire number five and Dexcom number four. This full story is actually on our uh, drug delivery uh, business news site. And uh, I just would have to say that Sean is just doing a, a great job, just really covering the heck out of what's going on with diabetes tech right now in that space. So if you're interested in diabetes tech, you know, I mean, follow Mass Device, but, you know, also, you know, keep keep a good eye on uh, our, our drug delivery business news site. You know, at that, uh, the diabetes uh, space came up a lot this week, talking with uh, various companies in there. I had a meeting with uh, talk with the folks at Maxon uh, about the use of their pumps in, in diabetes technologies oh, yeah. in addition to others. So uh, it's definitely yeah. an, an area where uh, it's taking on multiple levels or multiple layers of technologies and devices yeah. that, that need additional coverage. So it's something that yeah. I'm sure Sean Hooley will be all over. But uh, exactly. let, let's, let's move on to uh, number three. Big news there as well. Yeah, number three on the list, we've got uh, surgical robotics news. We've got uh, J&J's Ethicon uh, completing their first uh, robot-assisted kidney stone removal with their uh, Monarch uh, platform, uh, which the uh, name Monarch gave me the chance on LinkedIn to say that Ethicon's trying to become a king of kidney stone removal. There you uh, go. Uh, Look at you. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, but they, uh, I mean... You know they. I mean they've. You know they. Uh, and 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 their news release. They discussed like some of the you know, research they already have that's kind of backing up that you know using you know the monarch you know for kidney stone removal you know is um you know is is, is producing better outcomes uh, 
for people who need this procedure. And uh, so, I mean, I, as, as someone who's, you know, I'm, I'm moving through my forties, you know, I, I've, I luckily have not had a kidney stone yet, but Nor um, I knock wood, but yeah, uh, yeah, we know that some who have, and uh, it's, it sounds unpleasant. Yes, as as the reputation proceeds. So I, I haven't heard of of uh, or as the reputation suggests, I haven't heard of robotic technology, surgical robotic technology used in in the kidney stone area before. Yeah, I, have you? Is this the first? I time? have not. No, and yeah, you know, obviously they, prostate uh... with intuitive, but not but not kidney stones. Actually, in their news release, they said it's the first successful robotically assisted electromagnetic guided percutaneous access of mini percutaneous uh, nephrolithotomy procedure. So, wow, that wow, was a you. mouthful there. But, uh, but yes, yeah, so that's you know they're they're definitely uh, getting some firsts in there. Um, you know, and actually, the a quote they have in here from a um, doctor at you know chair of the UCI School of Medicine. Urology department. I was saying that this is, uh, you know, the first clinical study in the world to research and demonstrate the potential for improved navigation, accents, and clearance and control in uh, these mini PCNL procedures um, using the Monarch uh, platform. So yeah, that's very, great. Very cool. Getting a lot of buzz on uh, on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. it's great to great to see like all the like the different you know ways that uh, you know surgical robotics is like expanding and all these different types of procedures and. Hopefully, uh, driving some improvement. And going back to Device Talks Boston, that's of course will be paired with our Healthcare Robotics Engineering Forum, and uh, we'll be sharing a keynote presentation uh, with our friends at uh, on the robotic side of our, our business. Uh, they booked Martin Bueller, who's global head of robotics R and D for Johnson and Johnson MedTech, and he'll be presenting uh, where J and J is. So I'm sure they'll be talking about this. Uh, this big win uh, at uh, at Device Talks yeah. Boston that'll happen on May 11th. So uh, looking forward to hearing what Martin Bueller has to share. Yeah, fantastic. We're going to take just a quick break from this Newmarker's Newsmakers to remind you that season four of Device Talks Tuesdays starts up on February 21st. This first episode will be run at noon. You can watch it live at noon Eastern. Or, of course, on demand at your leisure. But either way, you need to register. The title is How Medical Device Makers Can Vex Cyber Threats and Secure the Healthcare Supply Chain. Proud to be working with Cybellum Technologies on this discussion. In this presentation, the experts from Cybellum will demonstrate the potent power of VEX. That's the Vulnerability Exploitability Exchange. It's a new security advisory that's complementing software bill of materials, SBOMs, that help the medical device supply chain focus on the most dangerous vulnerabilities out there. So if you have concern about your supply chain, and you probably should, you definitely want to register. Again, you can watch it live, you can watch it on demand, but all you need to do is register. It's free. It's important, and you should definitely be there. Go to devicetalks.com for more information about this presentation. Again, it's happening February 21st at noon. I look forward to seeing you there. All right, Chris Newmarker, what is number two on the Newmarker's Newsmakers? Well, number two on the list, uh, we have uh, you know, 3M. Uh, this is a little bit more on this whole like you know, Texas two-step strategy thing going on, but they're, uh, you know, since that, uh, you know, J&J, losing that uh appeal over their their strategy with the LLC they spun out you know over the um talk related litigation now we've got um lawyers representing you know president and former US military me- members that are suing 3M that are trying to uh, get uh 3M's you know bankruptcy chapter 11 bankruptcy for their 
aero technology subsidiary uh, thrown out, you know, and especially because they're pointing to, you know, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, ruling in the, in the J and J case, you know, and saying that this, you know, this, this ruling is, uh, is showing that the 3M case should get, uh, should get thrown out. So uh, the, there's going to, there's a hearing coming and that's going to be happening in coming days uh, over this motion to dismiss. And we'll, we'll see what happens here. And, uh, you know, at the, at, it's worth noting at the same time that, you know, 3M has been looking to, uh, to, uh, you know, like get a, a chapter 11 done for this earplug subsidiary that, uh, you know, they, they've also been, you know, looking to spin out their, uh, their healthcare business. So, you know, as this proceeds, you know, we'll see how this affects, uh, you know, how, how this might potentially affect the, the healthcare spin out as well. So just, just interesting. Um, just, just actually a big corporate legal issue right now, like you know, how much courts are willing to allow companies to kind of do this strategy of, you know, having a subsidiary file for Chapter 11 or spinning out an LLC with the liability and having them file for Chapter 11 to try to, you know, uh, you know reduce potential, like, potentially huge payoffs, you know, when, they, when they're when they getting sued a lot for something. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So we're, we're talking a lot about law, law, lawsuits, unfortunately, but uh, I'll just add that uh, at uh, this week, 3M unveiled its new medical adhesive that can stick yeah. to the skin for up to 28 days uh yeah. so we're talking about all glucose monitors and things that need to be stuck to the skin uh 3m is working on uh on ways of keeping things on on the body for longer so yeah and you know tar and i've you know talked to some of their top people around that in the, in the past and it's it's actually it's a really big challenge with wearables that you know a lot of people covering the space don't don't pay attention to but mm-hmm. i mean you can I mean, trying to get that adhesive just right so that, you know, it sticks something to the skin, but you don't want to just stick too much, though, because right. you want something coming off when you're, you know, taking off uh, whatever wearable device you have. So, you know, that's uh, that's something else that they've been able to extend that to 28 days at this point. It should, in, you know, longer mo- monitoring time, so that'll be great. Yep, I, I got to see it there at, uh, at MDNM West, so uh, looking forward to, to hearing yeah. more about that story as well. Yeah, and actually, like I, I actually wrote about the uh, twenty-eight day adhesives on medical design outsourcing. So if you want to find out more about that, like uh, go over to MDO and uh, check out the article. Fantastic. All right, Chris Newmarker. I think everyone probably knows what our number one story slash stories will be, but uh, why don't you uh, why don't you end any suspense that uh, that is existing? All right, all right. Number one on the list, uh, we've got. Um, like uh, some, some really big acquisition news. We've got Abbott, uh, you know, they plan to acquire cardiovascular systems for $890 million. You know, CSI, you know, their their portfolio includes uh, the Diamondback 360, which is a major system uh, for uh, atherectomy. Uh, the atherectomy is a minimally invasive procedure that it cuts plaques from the walls of the blood mm-hmm. vessels. So, you know, it's used in addition to or as an alternative to balloon angioplasty. But I mean, Abbott, they're a major company in the angioplasty and stent space, so I mean, uh, you know, there's some, there's a lot of complementary technology there. Um, you know, the uh, analyst comments that you know I was seeing after the uh, deal were, were pretty positive about it. Um, you know, they think Abbott's making a good, good acquisition play to like burnish their uh, cardiovascular portfolio. So, so really exciting news. Um, and the the bigger deal was. Uh... Nuvasive uh, being acquired by Globus Medical. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, this on the same day we had, you know, uh, Globus Medical announcing that they're going to be, uh, you know, merging with uh, Nuvasive, you know, which would, uh, you know, create a, uh, you know, much 
larger musculoskeletal company, you know, in the ortho space. Um, you know, uh, it seemed like uh, it seemed like the analysts weren't as uh, as positive of that about that potential deal at this point. But um, definitely, we create a much larger company. It would be you know need to see what they'd be able to do. Um, you know, yeah, we had that. I mean, it was actually a pretty wild day. We had the uh, Abbott acquisition news. We had that merger going on with, uh, you know, Globus and Nuvasiv. Um, we had uh, G Healthcare announcing that they're going to acquire Caption Health, which is going to mm-hmm. like add a bunch of AI to their, um, you know, ultrasound offering. So that was big news. And uh, and oh, and then on the the more negative side, we had Baxter, you know, announcing they're going to be doing some uh, some layoffs. Uh, but I mean, just just a lot of news today. I think it's uh, a lot of news in a single day. A lot of news this week. Um, it, it almost kind of feels like we're getting at the end of near the end of earnings seasons, and companies are just making some big big moves now. Right. So our our interview today, I had the uh, great opportunity to speak with Mike Matson and David Saxon. They're both analysts Fantastic. at. Needham yeah. and uh, Mike covers uh, cardiovascular systems. So we talked about the acquisition, and he went over the the, the positives for the deal. He he thinks it's a nice fit with Abbott. Yeah, and uh, I did get to talk with David Saxon too about about Nuvasiv, and uh, he sees good synergy between the two. Uh, he did he did have a couple of uh, in his note, and in the interview we talked about one possible concern. I don't want to, uh, you can listen to that. Yeah, we can't give everything away here. Yeah. That's right. It's called the tease in the professional business. But uh, overall, we also talked about whether this is a sign of of more M&A coming, of more M&A coming. And uh, the answer is yes. Uh, The conditions are right for more of this, but uh, we'll lead off the interview with that, uh, with that big question. So let's, uh, well, before we start the interview with, uh, with Mike Madsen and and David Saxon, Chris, we alluded to the, uh, the uh, the big 100 list, the MedTech 100 list. Um, wh- what impact do you see this having? Where where were Nuvasiv and uh, CSI on on the list? Exactly. I mean, cardiovascular uh, systems was uh, number 100 on the list. You know, like the, in their oh, okay. most. So they were right. <laughs> Right there, but you know, there you go. I mean, that's going to be like a, a space for a company that was like a little smaller, like maybe Inspire Medical potentially. You hint, hint. You know, maybe they could. You know, this is definitely going to be uh, getting. Uh, you know, like creating space for. Uh, you know, more companies to like kind of get into this like tier of being like one of the 100 largest medical device companies in the, in the world. I mean, we also have. Uh, yeah, when you look at. Uh, you know, Nuvasiv uh, was uh, number 64 on uh on the big 100 uh you know glow you know globus was a uh, number 74 actually um oh, know, interesting so, yeah i know but uh but you know they uh i would have you know, put globus higher yeah no we did i did talk to david saxon about whether this is a merger or an acquisition and while it's being called a merger if you look at who's in charge and who has I mean, the board yeah. and who the senior team is is clearly globus is taking over um so I mean, but, not uh, too much. I mean, okay. I mean, Nuvasiv uh, in their most recent annual report, you know, listed it was like probably like twenty twenty one listing like one point one billion dollars in annual revenue. Globus Medical uh, nine hundred fifty eight million. So I mean, not not pre pre comparably sized, you know, companies. So I, I yeah. guess I could see like one, you know, like it's basically like who's who's acquiring who. But yeah, you're right. When you look at who the leadership is coming out of it, who's getting the larger chunk of stock, it's definitely like more of like Globus acquiring the company for sure. All right. Well, let's start this interview with uh, Mike Matson and David Saxon of Needham. Well, uh, Mike Matson and David Saxon, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. 
Glad to be here. Thank you. So uh, we had a big day for M&A yesterday, and I appreciate you providing uh, some context. We're going to talk about the uh, Globus, New- Globus Nuvasive deal and, of course, the Abbott CSI deal. But uh, before we get into that, maybe, Mike, maybe you can start us off. We saw three deals uh, announced in a week, uh, these two, including the uh, GE Caption Health acquisition. Uh, is this a, uh, an indication of some broader, ma- broader macro conditions for M&A? Uh, is there something, something afoot? Yeah, I mean, the short answer is yes, I, I think so. Um, you know, it was slower last year, I think, and just in, during COVID in general, um, I think COVID created a lot of uncertainty and made companies maybe less willing to, the buyers less willing to step in and, and buy things. And then I think for the sellers, the problem was that their stocks became really depressed. They saw a lot of multiple compression, valuations just came down across the board. And I think prior to COVID, multiples were, or I guess maybe a little bit after COVID when rates started getting cut and whatnot by the Fed and all the stimulus was uh, put into the economy, Mm -hmm. the multiples really expanded and the stocks ran up, uh, the growth stocks that is. And so I think it early in the pandemic that the buyers were kind of on the sidelines, there was a buyer strike. They didn't want to pay those types of multiples. There wasn't so much in many deals that happened. But then I think that reversed. And last year, the uh, growth stocks got clobbered and were down massively. But I think it went from being a buyer strike to being a seller strike, where the buyers were certainly more interested at those valuations, but the sellers were um, not kind of in denial. um, Mm -hmm. And they hadn't gotten to the acceptance phase yet. And so they weren't really willing to sell at, you know, even healthy premiums that were where they were at. If a stock had fallen, you know, from say just hypothetically $100 to $50 and someone was going to offer them $75, say they were still kind of anchored to that $100 level and just probably weren't going to take the 75, even though it was a pretty attractive premium based on where they were trading. I think where we're at now is that it seems like some of these companies, like a CSII, for example, where the stock had really fallen quite a bit over the past couple of years, you know, are, are maybe more willing to accept, you know, a healthy 50% premium over where their stock is, even if it's putting them at a level that's still way below where they were uh, a year or two ago. And so I think we are going to see more M&A. And, and um, you know, the interesting thing about the deals we saw this week is that, you know, both companies, um, Nuvasive and CSII, had struggled with you know their growth in recent years and mm-hmm. the stocks were way below their their all-time highs and even with the premiums they're getting they're not really getting back anywhere close to those highs so again i think that's a sign that um some of these beaten up companies are are just sort of throwing in the towel and you know more willing to take a you know healthy premium over where the stock currently is without any hopes of getting back to you know all-time highs that's interesting. David, in, in an effort to sound smart on LinkedIn, I opine that this is sort of the flip side to spin outs that we're seeing. You know, these companies are kind of actually doubling down on areas where they're they're already core. Is there any connection? I mean, Mike did a great job giving us a broader overview, but is there any relation between companies wanting to get rid of non-core assets and companies like these wanting to double down on core assets? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a big focus on, um, you know, focusing on higher growth, higher margin parts of the business. So so we have seen some portfolio management moves, you know, resulting in spinoffs. Medtronic's announced a couple. I'm sure we'll, you know, hear of a, a few more. So, you know, that's that's a trend that could pick up. 
and then you know doubling down uh, in in core areas. I mean, yesterday's announcement: Globus and Nuvasive merging. Um, you know that that gets Globus, uh, you know, to a larger position in spine. It'll get them to number two or number three, and, and get them a lot more scale. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything Mike said. Tom, I, w- I wanted to add one thing that I forgot to mention. You know, I alluded to this yeah, er- earlier comments, but, um, you know, in addition to just the valuation issues we've had where the pendulum swung from one, you know, being overvalued to being undervalued with some of these smaller companies, um, I think we are finally coming out of COVID. I mean, I guess the country's sort of been out of COVID for a while, but what I mean with this for the industry is that procedures seem to be kind of stabilizing. And what we're hearing from companies with the fourth quarter earnings is that things are kind of getting back to truly normal and truly kind of more Hmm. where they were in 2019 before the pandemic happened. So I think that's giving companies more confidence that there's no more sort of shoes to drop or surprises that are going to happen with COVID. So they're, they're more comfortable making these types of decisions, you know, around strategy, M&A, or even, you know, spinning things off. That's an interesting point. I guess in a way then those companies that are that maybe were hoping for larger returns or increases to business now have to accept like this is this may be the new new normal for procedures. This is what we're getting for business. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's dive into the details. I know you've got a busy day. Uh, so, uh, David, why don't we start with you and Globus Nuvasive? So, uh, I'm just curious. It's, I've seen it called a merger or sale. Are we quibbling on on what this kind of transaction is? How do you def, de, define this uh, this this combination of these two companies? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I I guess it is more of a sale. I mean, Globus is going to control the ending entity. The CEO and CFO of Globus are going to manage uh, the combined business. Globus's chairman is going to continue to be chairman. So, I mean, I guess it's more of a sale. Mm-hmm. And Globus is just gaining share in, in Spine. Like I said earlier, it, it, it gives mm-hmm. them scale. They're going to jump to be the number two or number three position. It could give them an opportunity to really drive adoption of enabling technologies. They, Globus is number two in Spine Robotics behind Medtronic. So if they can really cross-sell their their robotics platform and associated and enabling technologies into the new base of base that that could be a source of upside and um you know could result in a successful deal i would say there's there's also a a number of risks you know spine deals are notoriously disruptive um i i I would imagine there's going to be some product rationalization sales force turnover um so you know that could be a source of disruption and, and downside. I'd also note Globus, their track record for M&A has been more acquiring a, a technology or small portfolio and then build off of that. Globus is an engineering company, so they prefer to build versus mm-hmm. buy. Um, we've seen that with KB Medical. That was the foundation for their robot. Stellcast, that's their foundation for their hip and knee portfolio. So this is a very different transaction that they've uh, than they've done in the past. So, you know, Globus doesn't have that uh, muscle memory to to really go off of when trying to integrate uh, a much larger business. 
That's a great point. And you, you'd mentioned, uh, well, just briefly, how, how do the, the pipelines match up? Is there a lot of redundancy? Are they, are they very complementary? Um, you know, there, there are some complementary aspects to it. Nuvasive has a cervical disc uh, they acquired a couple of years back called Simplify. Um, Globus is stronger on the enabling technologies, in my view, at least. So there's, there are some complementary uh, aspects to it. But, you know, I, I think when people think of spine, it's largely viewed as a more commoditized market. So, you know, a cage is a cage. Um, so, you know, there's going to be redundancies as well. Interesting. And I, I thought your comment uh, in your note was interesting about the potential for uh, for culture clashes. And I think you said that I'm missing my nose, but maybe I'm paraphrasing. But you identify Globus as more of a disciplined engineering company, while Nuvasiv is more of a, a marketing company. And you while you said, you know, this, you know that this could go this could be fine or this could go in, in any direction. You did kind of hold up Boston Scientific and, and Guidance as a as a comp of when things do go bad, when 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 cultures clash. In acquisitions, how, how do you see this? Maybe you could expand on on that point, and, and how do you see this playing out? Yeah, sure. So, and I would just note another example is Zimmer buying Biomed, um, mm-hmm. which you know also resulted in some somewhat of a culture clash. You know, Globus and and Nuvasive have different approaches to you know running their businesses, and you know that's resulted in different financial profiles. Globus's higher growth, higher margin, invasive, slower growth, lower margin. Um, so, you know, there, there's going to be with the, a change in management approach because Globus is going to run the combined business. I, I got to imagine that some, um, you know, personnel at Nuvasive, whether it's, you know, distributors or, um, you know, back office functions aren't going to really like working under a, a different leadership um, approach. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've got to imagine that there's going to be disruption from just working at, under a different culture. Interesting. No, that'll be that'll be uh, really something to track. Let's. I know you folks have uh, have a meeting to go to, but uh, let's shift over to Abbott uh, CSII. Uh, Mike, you noted uh, that the timing, that the fit makes sense, but the timing came as 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 a, as a surprise, and that rung true with me. I think, as I indicated earlier, uh, but what was the surprising part? I mean, did 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 you just didn't get any indication from CSII that they were looking for buyers, or likely flip side, Abbott wasn't looking to buy? Yeah, I mean, generally, companies aren't running around talking about you know either deals companies they're going to buy or <laughs> the company if they're trying to sell themselves. I mean, occasionally on the the sell side, I mean, you will see companies say that they're undergoing a strategic review or something like that, but that was not the case here. Um, and, um, you know, I think in this case, there really were no prior rumors of this specific deal. Um, sometimes there are rumors in the market that come up before deals happen, like in this similar space, like, for example, with Spectronetics, um, which is another ad directing company that was acquired by Philips. Um, there were some rumors a few years ago when that deal happened that um, the, either mm-hmm. they or CSI could have been in play, but that, that was a long time ago. Um, and then Spectronetics did end up getting acquired. But this this time, there really was no specific um, rumors in the marketplace, as far as I'm aware, no media reports or anything like that. <clears throat> so that's why it was a little more surprising. But 
from a longer term perspective, I've long thought that CSI could be an acquisition target. It's something we talked about in notes we'd published. We'd even specified Abbott and Teleflex as being the two companies we thought would be the most likely to buy it. Again, just based on product fit, as opposed to any specific um, information that we had at the time or anything like that. And as far as, um, and then we had, we published a list as well of the top 25 companies in the med, public med tech companies that we think are most likely acquisition targets. And we update that a couple of times a year. The last one we had published kind of in late 2022, when we published our 2023 outlook piece, and we did have CSII and a Nuvasive both on that list. Um, so again, not not surprising that they got acquired, but you can never really predict the timing mm-hmm. of when this is going to happen. And not surprising was Abbott in my view either, to be honest. But great point. And and, and portfolio wise, product wise, it seems like a a dream pairing. You note that Abbott didn't have an have an atherectomy program, uh, and CSI has uh, thrombectomy, and uh, and I'll let you go through the other things they have that I probably can't pronounce. But the one that actually got really made my eyebrows go up was their percutaneous ventricular assist device, uh, which we, which would seem to fit nicely into, into Abbott as well. Yeah. So I think that the bulk of CSI's revenue is still uh, from atherectomy, um, peripheral and coronary. And Abbott has a big peripheral and coronary business um, and a big sales force in both those markets. So they'll probably end up combining the sales forces, I would imagine, um, it's possible that they that there's some rationalization there. We'll we'll have to see, but they have a channel to sell these products through, and I suspect they'll combine that with the, the cardiovascular systems channel. But aside from that, you know, CSI had done a really good job of developing a pipeline and trying to diversify their product mix. And to be fair, I mean, even without the pipeline, they were selling some balloons and guide wires and, and catheters and things like that, you know, in coronary, it had done really well, you know, and added additional revenue per procedure alongside their atherectomy products. And they were just starting to do that in peripheral. So they already had additional products outside of atherectomy, but then they had some really potentially big products in the pipeline as well. I would say that the ones that, you know, I would highlight would be, um, they had some drug coated balloons, um, they have thrombectomy products, and they have uh, intervascular lithotripsy product that which would compete with shockwave medical. And then as you mentioned, they had the PVAD product. Um, now of those, I mean the PVAD is probably the most complicated of, of the products in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it remains to be seen if if that gets commercialized or, or not. Um, it's possible Abbott could just pull the plug on it. But I mean it's clearly a big market. Abbott had bought, I believe, Thoratech and I think Thoratech at one point had a PVAD in development, but I don't know whatever happened with that. I don't actually cover Abbott right now, so I don't. Okay. I don't know the story there. So it's possible they have another program already in that that area of the market. But aside from that, you know, I think the the most interesting thing in the pipeline, honestly, is probably their intervascular lithotripsy product because, you know, Shockwave Medical um, has done extremely well, and you know, calcium in the vessels is a big problem throughout coronary and peripheral. And when we picked up cardiovascular systems to cover it, you know, we recognized that, but in, you know, cardiovascular systems did well, but it, it never saw as their atherectomy never saw as widespread adoption as it could have, or probably should have. And I think it was 
you know, there's a learning curve. It's not the easiest thing to use. And I think that, you know, there's doctors maybe are just kind of scared. They're going to have some, you know, perforations or something with it. It's very safe, but I mm-hmm. think there was maybe just a fear of it generally. And I think Shockwave really made a really easy to use product that, you know, really got just more widely adopted than atherectomy ever did in, in treating calcium. But, you know, CSI and CSI, I think, you know, part of the reason their stock had struggled was because they were, you know, seeing some pressure on their market share because of Shockwave. Um, they don't exactly overlap in terms of where they get used, but there's enough overlap that it was hurting CSI. And so they they were going to develop their own system. My understanding is that it's not that complicated. And so I think that has a good chance of seeing the light of day, especially given how big that segment of the market's become now. And it'll likely do more in the hands of Abbott than it would CSI. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, you know, the, Abbott also doesn't have a drug code of balloon. Um, they they have an agreement with Sermotics to distribute Sermotics surveil balloon, but there's been some delays in getting that approved. And CSII has two drug code of balloons in development. Um, now, it's not an either or necessarily um, because those are going to take a few years and those use a different drug, the, the CSI balloons versus the Sermotics balloon. Um, so it's possible that they, you know, do both or, or you know, pursue both, I guess is a better way to put it, with Abbott. So so anyway, um, I, I'm sure atherectomy was really the key to the deal. And the rest of it is just kind of gravy because they're not really paying much for this anyway. Mm-hmm. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they pick and choose among the pipeline and some of it they'll probably cancel. Um, and some of it they'll probably, you know, keep it going and maybe even uh, pump some additional investment into it and try to accelerate it. Related to the price, and one more quick question and one more larger question, but related to to the price for CSI, you mentioned in your note, your assumption is the deal will go through, but you did raise the possibility that someone comes in and outbids uh, Abbott. What, what's the likelihood of that happening? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think I specifically addressed that in my note, to be honest. Um, I But I... I you said your bull case scenario is another oh, company opening. Right. Sorry, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That's just a hypothetical. I'm not. Yeah, I understood. I, but yeah, but it, yeah. it was interesting. Interesting suggestion. Is that possible, or is yeah, that no, just? I, a... I forgot about that part. But, you know, we have to kind of <laughs> yeah. justify like. The, I liked it. It was a good, good, good. Worst case scenario kind of thing. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't. I don't think. To be clear, I don't think the deal falls apart, and I don't think there's a higher bid. But okay. but you know, if if the only other company I think that you know, could be interested would be Teleflex. But I think the issue for Teleflex um, is while it would be a great fit and complimentary, I mean, a few years ago, uh, Teleflex acquired Vascular Solutions. So they have an interventional cardiology business right now Mm. focused on complex PCI. They don't have atherectomy and they're not in peripheral. But most companies in coronary are in peripheral. The products are very similar and they're complimentary. So it makes sense. And there's a lot of the doctors that do both types of procedures. So it makes sense to be in both. But for Teleflex, Teleflex is a much smaller company than Abbott. Right. It's not that they couldn't easily afford it if they chose to, but the problem is CSI is really not growing that fast. And for, for Teleflex, I think they're really looking to acquire uh, companies with you know stronger growth, double digit or you know, 10% plus type growth. And you know, I don't think it would, it would have been received well by Teleflex shareholders if they bought CSI at this point in time. Now, if they had gotten their growth back to double digits, it might've gone over better for Teleflex. Mm. 
Um, but I think, you know, that it just would have been dilutive to tell Flex's growth. And I think that really would have kept them on the sidelines here, even though the products would have been really complimentary. Um, I think for, for Abbott, they're just such a big company yeah. that it, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's not going to, even if, you know, CSI was, had flat sales, it wouldn't matter to Abbott's overall revenue. And, but in the hands of Abbott Salesforce, odds are it will grow faster, right? Because they have a bigger sales force gotcha. and they'll probably keep a lot of the CSI reps, I'd imagine, but. Excellent. Well, final quick question. I know you have to go. Um, David, do you see any sort of counterpunch? happening on the in the spine side someone re- reacting to this deal does this lead to 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 more m a coming up maybe a rival buys another company um i mean i i guess if you're asking if there's another bidder for new basive I, I don't think so no more i'm sorry more more uh um another spinal company responding to answer to this sort of okay got it um i, I don't think there's going to be another deal by a spine company. The only scenario that makes sense to me, at least, is if Smith and Nephew buys something like an Alpha Tech. Uh, there in 2019, mm-hmm. there were some rumors that Smith and Nephew was looking at Nuvasive. So if they still and and just for background, Smith and Nephew is more of a hip and knee company. They don't have spine right now. So, you know, if they do mm-hmm. still have the aspiration of getting into spine, I think Alpha Tech is now kind of the next best target for them. So, so that's, you know, one potential uh, scenario. Mm-hmm. Interesting. You know, Alpha Tech is an up and comer in the spine market. They have, you know, call it a low single digit market share. So they still have some pockets in the US where they're, they don't have a presence. Um, you know, New York is one, Philly's another, DC's uh, another. So if there is in fact disruption from a Nuvasive Globus deal, they can probably benefit by picking off some top performing uh, distributors and getting some pretty quick access uh, into some of those markets. So they're probably a beneficiary from uh, either failed Globus new base of deal, or it just taking longer with a lot more disruption. And and uh, I'll just add to that that you know the, uh, there's already a lot of former new base of people at Alpha Tech, mm-hmm. and um, the CEO Pat Miles was at new base of CEO Alpha Tech was at new base for a long time, so I'm sure he's probably already calling up those distributors <laughs> and trying to, try to uh, convince them no to uh, join. <laughs> Yeah. I would not be surprised if that's already happening. Yeah. And, and Mike, quickly, how about on the, uh, on the cardio side, anyone, uh, is this a challenge to anyone that anyone has to answer? Well, the only company it really has implications for, in my view, is, is Shockwave, Shockwave yeah. because you, you're, I mean, that, and this is only assuming that they proceed with this IVL project and it ends up being successful, right? Which who knows, maybe it doesn't work out or maybe they just decide to, to pull the plug on it. But assuming that they do commercialize that, I think it's going to be even more of a threat in the hand to, to shockwave in the hands of Abbott than it would be in the hands of CSI Salesforce. Fantastic. I know you both have a meeting to run to. I'm grateful for the, uh, the time. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. No problem. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Take care. All right, Chris Newmarker, that is a wrap. Where can folks find you out there in the world of social media? Hey, I'm on 
best place to reach me is LinkedIn. Chris Newmarker, just like a new marker, always happy to connect. Absolutely. I'm also on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. And uh, please do share this podcast, this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast on LinkedIn, on Twitter, wherever you want to do it. Make sure you connect with Chris, New- Chris Newmarker and I on those uh, on those sharings uh, so we can be part of that conversation. Chris Newmarker, what else do we want folks to do? You like, follow, subscribe. That's right. Subscribe to the Device Talks Podcast Network so you'll get future episodes of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast, the Striker Talks Podcast, the Intuitive Talks Podcast. And next month, I think I'm ready to unveil the name, Chris. We've, we've, we're moved forward enough on this new podcast that I think we can tell folks that the Boston Scientific Talks podcast will be rolling out uh, in March, probably at the end of the quarter. So uh, That's awesome. Yeah, so happy to bring uh, Boston Scientific into the Device Talks Podcast Network family. Lots of great stories to tell there, and uh, I'm really excited to get that one going. So Super uh, exciting. That's awesome. Another reason to subscribe. So don't That's miss right. any of these great podcasts. And, of course, get all of your news. Where where should they get all of their MedTech news, Chris Newmark? Hey, MassDevice.com. Absolutely. Best place to go. So, exactly. all right. Well, that is a wrap. Tune in next week. I expect to have another episode of the Device Talks weekly podcast, but uh, we'll also be releasing another episode of the Intuitive Talks podcast. So uh, thanks for uh, for joining us this week on Device Talks Weekly. Hey, take care, care everybody. Have a good weekend.